Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel, or am I? Uh-oh. We watched Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Apparently, recently, it was voted by critics as the best movie ever. I have thoughts on that. We'll get to it in a minute. In the meantime, how was your week? I've actually enjoyed my week. You got out of into I the world got yesterday. Out into the world, I was hunting down uh, haunted houses. I was uh, eating watermelon mint sorbet. That sounds good. And oh, I, was that at the place that you told mm, me to go to? Gotcha. Yes, and I generally don't like mint as a flavor; it gets overpowering. But this was just the right amount of it. I think um, when it's used correctly. Uh, mm. it's very good when it's used incorrectly. It's very it's bad. so much, yes. and it um it can burn. I don't want something that tastes like toothpaste either. I also am a person who, like recently, people have been like, "Hey, how come mint is the only flavor we put in toothpaste?" And they've been making adult toothpaste that tastes mm. like different things, and I'm like. Yeah, how come mint is the... Like, there's no right. reason it can't taste like watermelon. Or bubblegum. I know, it's for kids, but why? Why is it only for kids? Why do I have this... Ugh, anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, mint is good in drinks and in moderation. <laughs> so I'll agree with you on the second part. Okay. How was your week? Uh, it was good. I'm just working. Mm. You know how when you do a bunch of work and then you find out immediately that half of it was moot? Yes. That's I know the that week feeling. that I'm having. So it's okay. I get paid by the hour, so it's fine. Mm. I don't get paid. <laughs> I don't get paid. Like, it's not like I charged X for this project and now mm. I have to do twice as much work. I get paid by the hour. So it's all right. Everything's fine. All right. You want to talk? talk about this movie? Yes, I do. So, what is your history with this movie? I saw this film when it was re released. Uh, back in the early days of uh, of home entertainment, like DVDs or video, oh, no, beyond that, video, VHS, and I, there was a, a number of films released out of the Universal lot. Uh, excuse me, the Universal Studio. Yes, but they were re-released and they were released from their vault. I'm sorry. Oh, I thought only Disney had a vault. No. So uh, and they were remastered and things uh, retouched and basically fixed up and uh this film so uh, was re-released as was the man who knew too much uh the trouble with harry uh rope and rewindow ah so were those other two hitchcocks they're all hitchcocks okay yeah, well i know rope and rear rear mm. window are i don't know those other two films right. i mean the trouble i've heard harry of them. was a comedy and i think it's the film that introduces shirley MacLaine. oh interesting um, i did not know he worked with her and also i did not know he ever directed a comedy that seems it's, it's odd. a comedy with uh jerry mathers the beef yes <laughs> okay There's a very little boy who, i would assume so <laughs> who finds a corpse in the woods Hey, you want to see a dead body? And he tells his mom, and everyone in this town seems to have a reason for wanting to have killed Harry, which is the main character. Got you. So they wind up digging him up, burying him, digging him up, burying him several times so that 
other people can find an alibi. And it's a very it's a very dark comedy. Do we figure out who did in fact? Yes, he died her? by complete accident. Oops, of course. <laughs> and so everyone who conked him over the head or shoved him into a ditch who thought they killed him actually didn't kill him at all. So it's like the it's the opposite of uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, <laughs> like it's the the opposite of that. That's really funny. All right. Um, I've never seen this movie. I didn't know anything about it. Mm. I barely knew that. Um. Jimmy Stewart was in it. James Stewart, excuse me. He's an adult. Um, I was excited to watch it because uh, people love it so much. Mm -hmm. And I am left mildly bereft. We'll talk about it at the end, but uh, I think maybe a big part of my issue is that I watched it in 2023. Mm. And I knew what was going to happen from the beginning. Basically, I knew the broad strokes. Like, I just, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I know some things already. What I didn't know was how Jimmy Stewart's character was going to end up behaving. And I didn't like it at all. And it's very much feels like um, the movie What Lies Beneath that used Mm -hmm. Harrison's Ford. Harrison Ford's heroic good guy persona. So when you see him, you're like, oh, he's going to be great. And then he's a murdering Mm -hmm. asshole. Yeah. But even in that movie, you didn't see him be a murdering asshole for more than like three minutes. Like the turn happens quickly. He's terrible for a minute. And then the the movie wraps up. Jimmy Stewart starts sympathetic. And about half an hour in starts becoming deeply unsympathetic and just gets worse and worse right. um, and worse through the movie. It it was a difficult choice for him, probably. For sure. Because he had a certain public persona. I have to believe that everyone who managed him, his mm-hmm. agent, all of those people right. were like, do not do this. But there's benefits to taking a risk as a performer. Sure, because it does spread out character. what you could do. Henry it doesn't typecast you. When he did uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, and he plays, in his own words, the most absolute bastard that ever mm. lived. Uh, and at the same time switching it, Charles Bronson's the hero and he's the villain. Right. And he is such a villain. From Which is so nice because like, there's so many actors that when they mm. walk on screen, you're like, oof, villain. Right. Like, <laughs> you just know they're going to be the villain. I remember we watched uh, Skyscraper, that rock, right. the, 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 that Dwayne Johnson movie. And uh, there were like four of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, every 20 minutes, a new person came into the movie, and I was like, another villain? <laughs> what is happening? All right. So let's talk about the plot of this movie. It's not, it's twisty, but it's actually not that complicated. So there's an opening scene wherein two police, or a detective and a a beat cop, are chasing a criminal, presumably, across uh, rooftops in San Francisco, firing weapons unsuccessfully. And that detective, it turns out, is uh, one John Scotty Ferguson. I don't know why. His nickname is Scotty, but here we are. Unless you're his his uh, his girlfriend, it's not his girlfriend. His best friend, I think, Midge, who calls him Johnny. But he tries to jump, misses the jump between rooftops. Between rooftops, 
is hanging on to some uh, to a gutter, which mm-hmm. is not what you want to be doing. Several stories. Is up. It I guess for like his four. Behavior later in the film. Four, yeah, right. Four, like about four floors mm-hmm. up, maybe more. And the beat cop comes back and tries to lift him up. Uh, doesn't go well for him, and he does fall to his death, which Scotty sees. And then we go whoop, into the future where he is. Recovering from a leg wound, presumably gained in this. Also, his thing. back. So I'm guessing he oh, must his, have yeah, fallen maybe. into like a big, uh, like a like a puff ball or like a puff bag. A fireman's yeah. safety or the, yeah. catch or something. Yeah, they I'm don't. Sure they they didn't probably didn't do the inflatable things. Mm-hmm. Then it was just like we've got a blanket. Let go. <laughs> uh, and he's about to get the whatever medical devices he's got going on mm-hmm. off the like the next day, but he is retiring. And we see him with his lady friend, who I guess they dated in college, but now they're just friends. Well, they were engaged. In no, college. That's, well, still dated. Mm-hmm. That's dating. Right. Um, they were not engaged. He asked her to marry him, and she said no. That's what they. That's what he says. Uh, but they're friends now. Although, spoiler alert. She still pines for him. I don't. I don't. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make a move when he's literally asking you? Whatever. And he does uh, ask her. He, he does, does right in the in right. the very first scene. He's like, "Let's give it a go," and she's like, "No." And then later, it's clear that she's smitten with him. And I'm like, "The fuck are you doing?" It's very weird. Um. So. He's saying, you know, they're talking about how he has to retire because he has vertigo now. Mm-hmm. He saw this cop fall, and now when he looks down from distance, high distances, he gets very dizzy and passes out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have vertigo? Do you have a fear of heights? I have a fear of heights, but I think it's perfectly normal. I don't like looking over the edge of things. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't have vertigo. That his uh, his response to it seems pretty awful. Yeah. And the um, he has acrophobia on top of the vertigo. There's a uh, an interesting and again this is a Hitchcock film. Interesting camera effect that John Fulton devised. Yeah, it's really good for uh, and it's done like a like a widening and a foreshortening right. of of space that yeah. you're seeing. So like when and it's all. First of all, this motherfucker, for being afraid of heights, keeps looking down. Right. Stop looking down. Now, I have something that's sort of like vertigo. Mm. Um, if I'm high up and I look over um, like an edge, sometimes I will feel off balance. Um, right. Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm going to fall. So I tend not to do that. But the worst is if I'm standing like... Like in downtown San Francisco, where there are skyscrapers all around me, and I mm. look up right. at those buildings, I get dizzy and will fall over. I don't. I won't faint, but I, I, I can't do it and keep my brain sort of um, clear. Okay. I, I get like foggy, and then my yeah, I get dizzy, and it's not a great feeling. So. And but I do when we're driving sometimes. Not when I'm driving. I won't do that. I will clo- even close my like. I like to have my sunroof open because right. it feels fancy. Um, <laughs> but I will close. I, li- I was raised in a trailer park, y'all. I have low bars for fancy. I will close the the moonroof so that I can't look up and see because I will be drawn well, to he's look up. The same well, I'm driving. Compulsion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To oh, that's true. But like. And so in this first scene, he tries to step up on the step 
stool chair thing, right. which we have in our kitchen, in fact. I was like, oh, I've never seen that before. So they're vintage. Uh, and he gets, he's good, he's good, he's good, and then he steps on the highest thing, which is probably about three feet off the ground. Yeah. And at that point, he falls. And sh- and Mitch catches him in a weird, I was like, how did... I don't think so. I don't I think, think that so. Was, um, that was a, that was a that liberty was taken there. for the film. Exactly. Because so, Midge is a small woman. She's played by Barbara Bel who's very sweet um, in this role. And that whole scene sort of sets up the dynamic of their relationship. Yeah, but she's done dirty at the end of this movie, and we'll talk about that, right. too. Um, yeah, no, they're, like, really... Like, it, rem- it literally reminds me of uh, my friend Corey and I. Like, we've been friends since college. Mm-hmm. I see him all the time. Right. Like, we're just friends. And we've been that way for a long time, so. But in this case, there's an underlying. Yeah, they've they've been romantic. She designs I have lingerie. Not. Is that what she? Yeah, that's right. That's and right. so she's drawing these women in in a in these provocative outfits, and she has a model of a brazier. Oh my god, it's terrible. That was designed by an engineer. Yeah, um, it's it's like. It has a. It's like a metal corset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like girdle. That right. that wraps around so that it can be strapless. It's not cute. It looks terrible. It looks like you're in one of those claw machine claws. <laughs> Urgh, and then there's a bra above that. Like, mm. and, that, and she's like, it was designed by or, uh, by an engineer from Stanford. And I'm like, oh, a man makes another terribly uncomfortable thing for women to wear. <laughs> no kidding. It's totally a surprise. Um. So they have that interaction, and then he, I guess, maybe the next day, it's not clear how much time has passed, but he has gotten his medical apparatuses off, and he is visiting his friend Gavin Elster, whom he knew in college, and they do, he does this weird, like, we've caught up, you're doing this, I'm doing that, why am I here? I'm like, damn, dude. Well, they barely (laughs) knew each other. Yeah. And and, um, they're not moving in the same social circles. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Scotty is a... Retired cop right. because he has a disability, and yeah. this man is incredibly wealthy. Yeah, he works in shipping, so mm-hmm. he's probably smuggling shit too. His office is bonkers. <laughs> His office is so well appointed, just so much, you know, flocking on the walls and big wooden furniture There's and a lot leather. Of that in this film. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, and Gavin would like to hire. Our protagonist, I use that term super loosely, there isn't a protagonist in this movie, Um, to track his wife, who he thinks is, um, how do I want to say, well, I'll say it like he says, possessed by a ghost. Right. And uh, he's concerned, he wants to, he's, here's the first thing that rang, rang untrue to me. Before I put her in an asylum, I want to make sure. And I'm like, no man ever. No man ever has said that. If they can put their wife in an asylum, they do it so fucking fast. No. So that was my first, like, ding, ding, ding. So he would like to, uh, Scotty. I'm going to call him Scotty. I'm not going to call him Jimmy. I'm going to call him Scotty. My cat has no chill, and I apologize. I'm going to call him Scotty. Uh, Scotty reluctantly agrees. He's like, uh, that's not my bag. I'm not a PI. And I'm like, well, 
If you don't want to leave your job completely, you could absolutely become a PI. But then we saw see how he follows people, and he absolutely cannot become a PI. He is not stealth at all in any way. He follows, so he's following her. He goes, and he sees her get in her car, and then he's driving behind her, which is fine. They're in San Francisco. There are a lot of people. And then she turns into an alley, and he immediately turns into the alley behind her. And I'm like, hey. What are you doing? <laughs> That's literally rule number one. Don't be the only one in a small space with the other person. Like, park a little bit up, come back on foot. What are you doing? Anyways, he goes in, he follows her into, she's going to the back of. Yeah, this is his wife. A store, yes. This is his wife, Madeline. Uh, well, we don't know. <laughs> well, we yes, think it's his wife, Madeline. the story so far, we well, think it's right. Madeline. And this is the first time he's really seeing her up close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's played by Kim Novak. She's beautiful and blonde. Very well put together. Far away look in her eyes. She's buying a bouquet of flowers. Then she drives to the Legion of Honor, which is a museum we've been to in the last three months. And I recommend you go. It's very beautiful. Uh, so she's there, and she is sit- she goes, and she sits in front of a big painting. And he notices that the lady in the painting... It's the same bouquet of flowers that that, that mm-hmm. this woman has. Madeline. Madeline. It's spelled weird. I think there's an extra... It's the E-I-N-E that's weird to me. Um, so, and he asks, hey, what is that painting? Yes, one of the docents. Yeah. One of the- and they're like, it's Carlotta. And then, and then he's like, do you want to see the catalog? And just gives him a catalog. And I'm like, that's a $30 thing <laughs> now. Then he see, he follows her to a building that's the McKittrick Hotel, uh, but when he goes in, she's not there. Right, which is the first suggestion. The It starts as a ghost story, and then goes off in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um, the hotel, the, well, the woman that is in the painting is Carlotta Valdez. Yeah, who, he goes to, to a local historian, he asks Midge, mm-hmm. hey, who knows stuff about history and San Francisco history? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, there are museums or whatever. And he goes, no, 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 no. He, she, I think he said, she says, oh, you want to know who who killed who down at the Embarcadero in 1939? And right. he's like, yeah, that you want somebody who knows that. Right. And he's like, yep, that's exactly what I want. And he, she goes, what what do you want to know? And he goes, you know, who killed who down in the Embarcadero in 1939? So he's not forthcoming, but sh- she's there when he ends up asking this person. So she immediately is like putting on her coat and she's like, let's go. I know exactly who you need to talk to. And that is when we find out about Carlotta Valdez. She was a kept woman. She had a married man's child. Uh, when he was done with her, he discarded her and took her child. And then she was sad Carlotta, just wandering around the city for a while. And then she killed herself. She was 26 when she died. And we do also get confirmation that this Carlotta was Madeline's grandmother, they say. Mm-hmm. And that Madeline... Um, Inherited some of her jewelry, so we see her wearing um, a similar necklace to the one in the or the the necklace right. that's in the um, painting at one point, and and the husband Gavin says um, 
Carlotta was 26 when she died. And Madeline is 26 now. And I'm afraid that she's been possessed by her grandmother and is going to kill herself. But I don't want to institutionalize her. Once again, mm. a thing no man has said ever. Um, certainly not before, like, 1985. Uh, so, she, he keeps following her terribly, just into totally empty places where they're the only ones. And uh, because she's, he's been told by Gavin where he'll ask, like, he'll follow her somewhere. And he call, followed her to the Palace of Fine Art. No, 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 to Golden Gate Park one day. And and then, like, uh, Gavin had done this, had followed Madeline, he says, followed Madeline to the park one day, and she sat there um, just looking out at the water, and then he had to go to a meeting or whatever, and when he asked her what she'd done that day, she said, oh, I just, you know, drove out to the lake and just, you know, looked at the water for a little while, which is what mm -hmm. he saw her do. And and Scotty's like, well, then what is the problem? Like, she's clearly telling you the truth. And he said, he says, the speedometer says that she went 94 miles that day. And I'm like, first of all, it was probably the odometer that told you that. But also... um, yeah, so that's the, the mm. disconnect, right? You went this far, but then you went way further. Um, so Scotty keeps following her, and he follows her out to Fort Point, another place that we've been. Mm. It's very cool when movies take place in oh, a yes, place this, that you live. This film is a great travelogue for San Francisco. You see yeah. the Palace of Fine Arts, you see Fort Point, you see the Legion of Honor. Yeah. San Juan de Batista. Yeah. Uh, which were the, the climax and a lot of the plot actions. Yeah, actually takes there. place, yeah. He follows her to Fort Point, and he watches her jump into the water, and mm. he jumps into the water after her, and then pulls her out. And I guess she's unconscious. He takes her to his house, mm -hmm. strips her nude, and puts her in his bed. And already then I was like, I... I'm don't not sure what like the that. best solution is for that because I I understand you know, that. I think what the best solution is if she's unconscious still mm -hmm. and she's cold, put her fully dressed into a warm shower that will wake her up right. and you do not have because I understand you want to get wet clothes off of her. Mm -hmm. But you don't know this woman. Right. And he doesn't just take her dress. She is naked. Mm -hmm. And there's only one way he could have done that, which is by seeing everything. Mm. And so she wakes up and is like, the fuck? And he's like, oh, you'll want this and hands her the robe, like, so gallant. And I'm like, you already did the thing. She comes out and he makes, I think, coffee for them and is like, well, you jumped into the, the water. And she's like, I don't remember that. And then she's, he's like, you, well, you did. <laughs> and... He's going to drive her home, and he gets a phone call, I believe, from Gavin. And in the meantime, she sneaks out, and then he, it's, she's gone. And then he's out, I think, and comes back, comes home, and sees her car, and she is dropping off a letter for him, which is a letter of gratitude. We think, we actually don't know, because I don't think she ever, he ever opens it in our presence. Then Scotty is like, hey, what you doing? And she's like, you know, I'm just going to wander. And he's like, I wander too. Uh, you want to wander together? And she's, you know, at that point she says, your door is still open because mm -hmm. he has unlocked the door. 
and he goes to close it. And I thought 100% this bitch oh, is driving away. Led that way. And she then she doesn't, and they are on a drive. I think they go to 17-mile drive down in... Mm-hmm. No, they go to both Muir Woods and 17-mile drive, which are in opposite directions. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, somebody doesn't know. Because I was like, oh, well, they're up north. And there are good ways up north where the Redwoods are. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see them, they are dry. And I was like, that looks like Carmel. And then it yes. turns out it totally is, which are probably a good six hours apart from each other. <laughs> like, well, maybe four. A good amount of space. California is remarkably big. Yes, it is. They're traveling... And then, of course, they kiss, and at that point, I was like, I hate this. Well, this is because <laughs> he's trying to hold her back from, as he believes, jumping into jumping the Jumping into the, yeah, because on 17 Mile Drive, there's a, there's a big There's a lot of coastline. Yeah. Um, and so, now they're in love. Now they're in love. They've known each other for six and a half hours, and they are in love. You guys, I can't with this. I have this problem in all the noir movies, mm-hmm. and I'm just like... Were, were people so programmed to, I have to be married to live a whole life, that they just forced this feeling into, like, it's clearly like, you know, what, is, what does Dan Savage call it? Uh, NRE, New Relationship Energy. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. Like, you're infatuated, you want to get more of this person. That's not love, though. <laughs> if you don't know it's somebody's middle it name... It might have been considered love then. It might have been... <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Right. Like, do they just are like... Or are they just like, well, I have this feeling and I definitely need to get married because I'm 30 and it's... Mm. Uh, you, know, it's you know what I mean? Well, like, in this well case, she's 26, right? She's already And married. he's older. Right. That's true, I guess. That is true. But and, yeah, I just... I hated it immediately. And again, he should have seen this coming what happens to it, but he's but so he's, infatuated. He's also broken. Right. Which we don't really get a sense of Until except later. that they move this fast, but mm-hmm. every couple in every movie moves this right. fast. So it's not even a tick uh, you know, a tip off that there's something deeply wrong with him. The next day they drive out to Mission San Juan Batista, as you mm-hmm. said. Which is the childhood home of Carlotta. And they do that because she has told him that she has these reoccurring dreams about this place. And he describes this place. She's like, how do you know that? And he's like, because I've seen it and you must have been there and seen it too. And then it's a lot of, this is another thing that like got on my nerves. And I know it's the time thing. Mm-hmm. But when she was like, I can't remember, I don't know. He'd just be like, try, try. And it feels very much like if you just want to, if you, if you just decide to be happy, you can be happy. It's like this, this, um, you can think your way out of mental illness vibe, which they do back to him later. And I'm like, he's not, he can't, that's not how any of this works. Um, so they're at Mission San Juan Batista and he's showing around and she's like, see, it's everything that you described. It's exactly like it. And then, um, they, this, again, uh, there's more kissing and I love yous, which, like I said, they've known each other for two days and one, well, three days. And one of those days he violated her person 
uh, not like he didn't assault her, but mm-hmm. I would maybe argue that it is a little bit of sexual assault. Um, but she says, um, go to the car. I just want to check, look at one more thing. And she like bolts and he's like, oh no, because there's a, like a, a bell tower. Right. And she starts running up the stairs and he starts running up after her. But guys, he has vertigo. And this is like, it's like our back steps. It's like a spiral staircase, right. but it's not smooth. It's just landing, turn, landing, turn, landing. So he looks down and that's when we get that very cool image, which I think you see in like all the commercials for this. Mm-hmm. Like they have that image right. of that almost like an accordion, accordioning. Is that? That's a word. Accordioning. It is. It is. Yeah, so like. I think it is. I, just, I think I've seen it written space. down. Yeah. And it, um, it grows and shrinks. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cool effect. But then he cannot continue up the stairs. And he's next to a window and he sees her body fall. And he looks down. Um, does he get all the way to, to the top? No, no he, he doesn't. doesn't. He couldn't. Nearly. No, there's yeah. no way that that's possible. He looks down and sees her body on the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, face down. I'll notice. I'll note. And... He fucking bounces, which is wild to me, because I feel like if they saw a body fall from the tower, and then they see somebody come out of the tower, they would be like, you, sir, cannot leave. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. Apparently, they also don't investigate the tower. So, (laughs) So, that's a whole thing. I guess the only people that are there are priests and nuns. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you wanted to overpower one, it wouldn't be that hard. I don't know. Uh, the death is declared a suicide. Um, they have like a weird inquest, like they were in Britain. I don't, I don't know what this is. It's very strange because I'm just like, what is this group of people that aren't? It's not a judge. It's not a court. There's a weird jury, and then like, so I, I don't it's know what very, this is. Um... It's very old west. Yeah, and he's and I, if I don't Scotty know is found. How long those kind of things went on for coroner's inquest or a judge just makes a decision. Yeah, and decide, but it wasn't just a judge. Like there was right. eight dudes sitting no, 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 there that came by. Yeah, no, no jury, I know. Uh, to it, there's no criminal charges even brought. It's, there are criminal charges. It almost felt like a grand jury because there definitely was like three dudes sitting there mm-hmm. presiding, and then there was that group of like eight men mm-hmm. who make a decision, fold up a piece of paper, and then are like, suicide. <laughs> like, it's, it's very weird. Um, but he he is not held um, accountable for her death because of his affliction, mm. his height affliction. Then he, like, loses his mind a little bit. He goes, but he basically goes catatonic and is put in a sanitarium for... A long time. We don't actually know how long. We see Midge go and visit him, and he is just not there. He is just looking straight forward. He's sitting in a chair, but he is not interacting with the world at all. And she um, she goes to see him. She does that, just try Scotty thing, which I don't love. Oh, she's... <laughs> but then she acts like she is in love with him in a way that belies the relationship that we've seen yes. up to this point. Because okay. we said that she loved him, but we only know that because of this scene. And well, we know it from one other scene earlier in the film. Which that's is true. She, where yeah. she finds uh, Scotty being visited uh, by... Madeline. Madeline. And um, she's sitting in her car, 
That's right. And she has an emotional response. And then That's the next true. time that she visits or Scotty visits her, she's painted a painting for him. That's right. Of her in the Carla- her as Carlotta. As Carlotta Valdez. And he just gets... He, he loses it. And she... And that's actually maybe one of my favorite depictions of a woman in... That I've seen mm-hmm. in a Hitchcock film is her reaction when he leaves. Because she's just like... She like runs her at her hair and she's like, you're stupid, 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 which is such a real emotion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if dudes do that, but ladies definitely do that. I have done that. And I was just like... Hey Hitchcock, you got a lady right because I have a tendency. I I don't really. Well, you also liked uh, the female characters in the relationships in Notorious, which is also a Hitchcock film. I guess. Yeah, that's true. And but there's there's a lot. Well, here we'll have a disagreement on it later because I think that this actually is a really. This film says a lot about the male gaze, obviously. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we. we yeah. So. After. But so Midge goes and she's trying to talk to him, and she's like, I'll always be here, like, you don't have to worry about it, I'll be here. And then she goes and talks to the doctor, Mm -hmm. and the doctor is like, you know, this is complicated by the fact that he loved her, and she goes, I'll give you another complication, he still loves her. Uh, And then she leaves, we see her walk down the hall, Mm -hmm. we're about an hour into the movie, we never see her again. And I'm just like, what the fuck happened to Midge? And I understand that his entire focus mm-hmm. shifts in the, in the second part of this. Um, but I would think that she would try to... Uh, like, I would think that we would see one scene of her trying to get his... Like, get I, him to, like... So, at this point in the movie, you having never seen it, what did you feel was going to happen? Knowing that there's so much left in this film, and now we're just with, what are we going to do now? Well... I'll tell you, I was like, um... Or are you having flashbacks to The Great Escape going, oh, is everything going to go to hell now? Which it does. It does. No, what I thought was, who he thought she was is not who she was. Mm-hmm. That is, was my thought. But I didn't know how it was going to shake out. And then, in the, the next scene, we see him. And we don't know how much time has passed. I would guess, like, a year. But we don't know how much mm-hmm. time has passed. And... He's out on the street, and he is desperate for any sign of this woman. He's, if he sees a blonde, he's like, is it her? Is it mm-hmm. her? Even though he... it's You can consciously know something, like cognitively be right. aware of a thing, and still not believe it. At this and point, that's he where might he's actually at. still believe that she was killed by a ghost. So Yeah, that's true. So, so maybe he's... her ghost is now up right. walking around. Like, this is not... Out of the realm of the possibility of what he believes is the truth. Sees right, but he sees this woman who looks remarkably like her. Now, here's here was part of my problem. I was like, I don't see the resemblance. She looks so different mm-hmm. that I was like, the only reason that I I was because I was like, that's Kim Novak, right? And I looked up in IMDb, and mm-hmm. then she plays both characters, right? And I was like, okay, so that's her. He doesn't just think that's her because he sees her and she is like brunette or red-headed. redheaded. Yeah, I think so. And she's wearing so much coal on her eyes. She's styled completely differently. Um, he follows her to her apartment, which is fucking creepy. And he knocks on the door and she's like, I don't 
I don't know you and uh, I don't trust you. <laughs> and he's like, just let me come in and talk to you. Let me talk to you for a minute. And then he wants to come in. And I'm like, you can talk from the hallway, sir. But she does let him in. She says her name is Judy Barton. Is it Judy Barton? I own Barton. Judy is. Barton, yes. Yeah. And she's from Salina, Texas, which I thought was Salina. Kansas. Or Kansas, that's right. Salina, Kansas. She shows him her you know, driver's license from there, her driver's license from here. She says she's been here for two years. She works at a store, all of this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. that's who I am. And he's like, can I take you to dinner? And she's like, why? Um, and he's like, well, I feel... And he, she says, is it because I remind you of her? Because they have... She's like, let me guess. I look like somebody you lost or whatever. And um, when she hears... When she hears that she looks like somebody who died... She's like, oh, <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. Like, I didn't, but I, I'm not, I'm obviously not her. She died or whatever. And he asks her to go to dinner with him. And she acquiesces because he says that he just feels bad for putting her through that. And he wants mm. to take her to dinner, which I was like, uh, okay. But right then as he leaves and she's going to, she's been given an hour to, um, because he says in. he'll be back yeah. in an hour. He says, I'll pick you up in 20 minutes or whatever. And she goes, uh-uh, let me get ready. Um, Come back in an hour. And so he's going to come back in an hour. So she's got an hour. We Do we see the flashback first or her trying yeah, to pack up first? Right, uh, she, first she tries to pack up. That's right. She, she grabs stuff out of mm -hmm. the closet, pulls out a suitcase. And I'm like, okay, this bitch is about to bounce. And then she sits down, yeah, to write a letter. And is that when the flashback happens? That's when the flashback happens. And I think this is maybe my problem. Well, one of my problems with the movie is right at this point, we find out that she ran to the top of the steps, was pushed aside by Gavin, who was holding. <laughs> you were like, that was his wife. And I was like, that was a dummy. Because it, all I could see was a dummy. But we're to, to understand from that scene that um, the woman that fell out of the window and uh, to, oh, her, the to her death mm -hmm. was the real Mrs. Elster. And she had been hired. I don't know when we find out that she had been hired. We find out mostly here. Is it mostly we, here? It is. And I, I, it's, I find it interesting that originally this was supposed to come out in the climax of the film. That feels like it would have been better for Right, me. but in this case, the question would have been, as Hitchcock felt, having developed the screenplay over a very long period right. of time. I, I understand that this is a tricky thing right. to place. Right, is to say, well, why on earth is she... Because even you were wondering, watching that scene where he comes into her room and starts talking to her, why would you allow him into your room? Why would you agree to have dinner with him? And what we find out is that... she's She fell in love with she him. She fell in love with him. In that two days. <laughs> and, well, before that also, the days where he was following her around. I guess she like was that. aware of it. Right. Because she's been... So the real Madeline, mm -hmm. the, the real wife who is, has had her neck broken by her husband and right. is up at the top of this um, bell tower and is the one he throws out. Mm -hmm. She's wearing the same suit. Right. And her hair is done the same way. Um and that's the body we fall, we we see um, fall, and that's the body that is, you know, autopsied. Mm -hmm. And of course, he is not the one who um, IDs her because right. he is not her husband. So, you know, Gavin does, and it's obviously not the same person. And she's pushed aside, and um, she looked enough like Madeline, and they thought they could get away with it. 
largely because Madeline was out in the country a lot, so yeah. she could wear her clothes and drive her, her car. The and, yes. Yeah, stuff like that. And, and all of that. The nature of the relationship between her and uh, Elster also is... It's unclear. Unclear. It if, feels to me that she is a hired hand. Right. I don't feel like there's anything but he does beyond business. wonder about that at the very end of the film. Yeah, that's true. That's something that doesn't get explored. But because he is, largely because he is paranoid about everything right. at this point. Um, so she agrees, so she writes this letter and then realizes she's not going to leave. She's like mm-hmm. in love with this dude. And she's like, well, maybe he, he and I could have a relationship just as, with me as me. And uh, that's not that's not how it goes. <laughs> so he she goes to dinner with him. They spend more and more time together. They're not intimate with each other at this yes. point. Um, and he, you know, offers to go buy her clothes, and he buys her the suit that she that that uh, Madeline died in, and she he he buys her a dress that's very similar to the one that he saw her first in. Right. And he. And she doesn't like it, and she keeps saying, that's not my style, I don't want it, I don't like it, this isn't what I want. Because she understands what's happening. He is trying to literally right. change her into his dead love. And she doubly, you know, has a problem with that, because she was that woman. Right. And so did, she, and he yeah. can't love her for her. He has to, He she does her hair. She does, That's, that's the, the last thing she does, yeah. is she bleaches her hair, and pins and he she comes back and it's not pinned up the right way and he goes no your hair needs to be up in this way and you have to pin it or whatever and she goes in the bathroom and she comes out and she, she's like like I I don't know that she says now do you love me but it is something Will you very love me close now, Will right? you love me now it is very close and then they kiss and yes apparently he does love her now and uh, it's real rough right. the whole time you're watching Jimmy Stewart just be. Fucking terrible well, to and this, this woman. Is what the title of the film is really referring yeah. to, not just his acrophobia, which right. is a separate matter, but the fact that he just starts—he's spiraling, spiraling, and but he's not—he's not just spiraling. Mm-hmm. Th- that would be a sympathetic thing to watch. Right. He has grabbed this woman and is pulling her down with him. Yes. And it's terrible. He treats her terribly, and all she, all she wants is to be loved. Now. Here's another problem that I have. I'm not, I'm going to make a reference to a modern movie, mm-hmm. which is Barbie. There is a so Helen Mirren uh, narrates Barbie. Mm-hmm. You hear her at the beginning, you hear her at the end, and you hear her one time in the middle, and it's the one time in the middle that I'm going to bring your attention to, which is Margot Robbie as Barbie is crying and saying, and "I'm not even pretty," and, and the narrator comes in and goes. And just super meta, and it's like, this is the point in the film where it is uh, a, a a problem that you have cast Margot Robbie in this in this part. Like, there's never a time when Margot Robbie isn't mm-hmm. stunning, right? Even ugly, cr- ugly crying, all of that. She is a beautiful person. Kim Novak is also stunning. She is stunning as plain Jane Judy, mm-hmm. and she is stunning as Madeline, and. I don't think that, like, I don't presume that pretty girls just have it easier mm-hmm. and will always find somebody that they can be with. I don't think that. 
but there is pretty privilege in this world. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what version of Kim Novak you're looking at. She's got pretty privilege. There's no way that this is the only man. Again, this is not the only man (laughs) that you have ever interacted with, but you're acting like this is the only man that you've ever interacted with. And you are so desperate for him after three days or whatever. And she's, as they're spending time together, she's falling more and more in love with him, even though he is treating her terribly. And I'm just like, ma'am. Yeah, doesn't, for it's those so who sad. haven't seen this film, he's not treating her terribly in that he's being violent or abusive. What he is doing, which he does do at the very end of the film, but he, he is, he is abusive, being emotionally abusive to her. What he's doing is that he's trying to force her to be something that she's not. Mm-hmm. He's forcing her to become this dead person. This film, the fa- the first thing that I picked up this time watching it, is that the, her name is Madeline, mm-hmm. which is the same name as Roderick Usher's sister in the Fall of the House of the Usher. Okay. Of Usher, rather. I have not read it's or seen a, And we all know the how popular it was based on a French novel. This this, this thing was yes. this this movie was based on a French novel, and yeah, we all which came out fairly close to when it right. Yeah, so it that, wasn't like uh, an old po one. Cast a long shadow in France. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so there's a lot of elements of Poe and the Dead Bride in this film. Right. And so it doesn't really matter how attractive Judy is. Judy isn't Madeline. No, I understand. And that's kind of what... To him. Uh-huh. But I'm talking about to literally every other right, man exactly. in the world. One critic said, this film would be really interesting if it was from her point of view. Yes. It would be no less heartbreaking. As a matter of fact, it would probably be more heartbreaking. It would probably be even more heartbreaking because She's stuck. watching it from his point of right. view, you're just like, ma'am, why? Why are you... Yes, which is, again, why she had to reveal right off the bat, oh, this is why I'm doing this, this because what, if yeah. not, then you're, you're thinking to yourself, why is she letting him take Why is she putting up with it? But even that, mm-hmm. maybe I needed them to know each other more than a minute and a half. I think that might have been it. Well, it seems if, to be a big focus of you. No, I understand that. It's just, it's something that, having watched older movies I'm used to, like, yeah, that's silly, and it's basically moves the story along is what it is. Yeah, and it, that's just frustrating mm-hmm. to me because especially if you're going to make love, right. ostensible love, it's not, it's obsession at this point, mm-hmm. but they're couching it as love. The primary focus of a movie, Yeah, I need to believe in that love. I have the exact, I, it's not just older movies mm-hmm. that I have this problem with. There's a movie from the, I think it's from the early 2000s called Made in Manhattan, with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ray Fiennes in it. And in that movie, I think they have a total of 45 minutes of interaction and end up in love at the end of the movie. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, like once again, there are certain things that you need to know about somebody before I think you can be, you can call yourself in love with them. And I'm just like, if you don't know their middle name, we're not calling this love. We can yeah. call this infatuation. We can call this lust. We can call this new relationship energy. We can call this a lot of things. Mm. Love is not one of them. <laughs> um, but in this case, he is infatuated right. with Madeline and Ooh. obsessed with the idea of right. her. And he just keeps pushing Madeline, even though she is in very in a, in several scenes vocally pushing back against it, mm-hmm. and then she just acquiesces finally, and she's just like, 
He's not going to love me for me, but I can get him to love me by just dyeing my hair and putting it up. She thinks. Yeah. Uh, and so she does. And then they are together. Uh, together, together. Fully together. Um, and then they're they're dating and he wants to go to dinner. She wants to go to dinner. He wants to go to dinner and she's like... He says, where do you want to go? And she says, oh, Ernie's, which is the place that he saw Madeline for the first time and mm-hmm. the f- place that he took Judy for the first time. And we see them there a number of times. Is there like a a dinner club almost? Like there's dancing and there's dinner. Mm-hmm. And um, we see as she gets, like she's, the first few times we see her, she's wearing the same dress mm-hmm. because she doesn't have. Right, and that, that's she, one like, of she the, does work at a grocery store or like a, a store. One of the things that Martin Scorsese loves about this film, he says, uh-huh. is this is not an independent movie. This is a huge budgeted yeah. Hollywood film with major stars, yeah. and it goes really south. So you didn't see that in movies at the time. You didn't yeah. have a hero exploring the, the depths of how bad they are inside of themselves. Right. Yeah, but one of the things that that comes to the fore is the costumes designed by Edith Head. Yeah. And she did a wonderful job of Madeline looks this way. Uh-huh. And Judy has, you know, spaghetti straps and she's yeah. kind of... I don't think that... I, I think that right. that fit in. But what was interesting was mm. we kept seeing her in the same dress. Right, exactly. Which just tells you but she doesn't have a budget that for the other gowns. dancing in this... I guess. It really does give a class distinction. But also, she's much younger than a lot of the women in here. And Madeline Mm. was... Well, she's Madeline. But, like, she's 26. Her husband was Jimmy Stewart's age. And Jimmy Stewart is also Jimmy Stewart's age. Sorry, Scotty's age. So they're in their, what, mid-40s to mid-50s? Mid-40s, I think, is what they're playing at. What they're playing? Yeah, because I think even back then full retirement because he couldn't get full retirement mm-hmm. he was going to be on sick you know right. sabbatical or whatever until retirement but even then like cops don't like they have a fairly early retirement age mm-hmm. because like 30 years is about as much as you can do it they don't do it till 65 or 70 right. or whatever so she's getting ready and I guess not thinking or maybe thinking overthinking um, being too damn happy yeah she puts on the, the necklace. necklace that was from Carlotta's painting right and there would be no reason for this girl, unless he bought it for her, mm-hmm. to have this necklace and he didn't buy it for her. So he instantly is like... He snaps out of it in a way. In a way. He he snaps into something else. Well, he snaps. Maybe that's yes, the best Yes, maybe way that's it. the way. So he realizes this is the woman that he was seeing. Mm-hmm. Somebody else was killed. And he presumes that it was his real, like, Gavin's real wife. Uh-huh. But he doesn't know for sure. But this is the thought that he has. And he keeps that to himself. And I guess, like, the next day... No, they're headed for dinner. But then that... Instead, he drives them to San Juan Batista, which is pretty far, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. But... So, th- there's a lot of driving long distances right. in this movie. She is, like... Uh, why are we here? Because <laughs> she kind of knows that, oops, the jig is up. And he basically lays out, so this is what happened, right? And she sort of confirms pieces of it, sort of clarifies how and why, or, like, how they were able to, like, that Gavin mm-hmm. hired her, 
that 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 Madeline was out out of the real Madeline was out of the out in the country a lot. Um, that they knew of his affliction, like that's why he brought him in. That's why Gavin brought Scotty in because he knew he wouldn't be able to follow Madeline all the way, or Judy all the way up the stairs. And so, and given his reputation this, as a police officer, as a, right. as a heroic police officer, right. even he wouldn't be questioned. He wouldn't be questioned, right? So he, if he sees this woman mm-hmm. fall, right, he would believe it was Madeline, and that would sell mm. the murder of Gavin's wife. Um, and it wasn't even. I don't know. Do we know why Gavin wanted yes, to kill her? He, having known. Um, Scotty in college, when they were both sort of economically on the same level, because Scotty also is, as he tells Midge, he's independently wealthy enough, he can get by yeah. for the rest of his life. This guy suddenly was in charge of this huge community, because in the very beginning, he says, the address that he gave me is by the docks, and Midge says, well, he's probably going to put the touch on you for some cash or something. Uh, it turns out he owns the place because yeah. he married Madeline. Oh, she's the rich. She's the rich. Oh, so that's right. So if he and had so her declared he, insane, there everything. might be complications. Right. If she's insane enough to commit suicide or right. kill herself, then he gets everything. Got you. And what they did do Please. to cover it, that she claims, because at this point he's actually physically dragging her he's up the stairs. He's dragging her up the stairs. Her, he there's says, a shot of her feet not even touching the yeah, stairs. Just, he says, I need to, it's immersion therapy, right? right? I need to do, the, I need to go up all the stairs, I need to get to the top, and then I'll be cured. Mm-hmm. But he's dragging her, and she's like, oh God, is he going to throw me off the thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, and what you were saying is that uh, she also says that uh, Gavin, it's very funny because I think of Gavin, I think of the other Gavin that we know, <laughs> threw his wife over, killed her up there, and then... Broke her neck because right. he wasn't going to take any chances. Right, and then he winds up sneaking. Yeah, otherwise, uh, there's a chance that something could have gone wrong at the last second, and then sneaks back down the staircase, not through the exit, while all the the local, uh, the the friars and the nuns right, and the upstairs. nuns come up, yeah. So that's how he supposedly sneaks out of the back way. Right. Although Scotty did the same thing, just wandering, staggered out through the front and, and drove home. Yeah, and just drove home. I was yeah. just like, how do you get such a sleep? But I, apparently he, I don't know, went to the police or whatever because he was there mm-hmm. um, in that or inquest. The, the, uh, the nuns and the... The clergy ones that also could have gone. To the oh, police. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. the police were called. Uh, somebody died, mm-hmm. right? But um, but that he he was implicated or not implicated, yeah. but he was he wasn't. And it he was just didn't get off scot free. Which again, it seems like an odd thing to have at that particular time. But yeah, I don't. And know it almost felt like they had it at the location, like at, really? at the mission, which was like, what's happening? She, as they're like going up the stairs and are at the top at the bell tower. Mm-hmm. Um, when it seems like he may throw her out of the, out of the tower, he she like, um, begs him to forgive her because she loves him and like we could be happy like you could just forget this and mm. I'm I'm the person like right. I am the person that you loved before, minus the being haunted by a dead woman thing, um, and he's uh. Does he he hugs her? Or I mean, it looks like there might be a chance that he's willing to reconcile with it, like now that he's gotten through this. Right. It's left up it's kind and of ambiguous. It's pretty clear that she mm-hmm. was 
Well, she's a, an accomplice to a murder, right. which was like that was the other thing. Through as as I'm watching this, I'm like, why doesn't she just tell him that she is the person that he fell in love with? And you were like, well, because it implicates her in a murder. And I'm like, do you see how crazy he is? Yeah. I don't think he's going to turn her, her in. in murder, and it also would point the finger at a very rich and powerful man. But I'm saying uh-huh. that Scotty would probably just be like. If I just swallow that and leave it alone, I get to be with the person that I love. Like, you're so broken by the loss of this woman, you could get her back this quick by just... And you you clearly are not 100% moral. I mean, you're a cop, so A. (laughs) But, like, you think it's okay to treat this person this way. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that he'd be like... Well, that's shitty for the real Madeline, but I don't know her. Yeah. I know you. I fell in love with you. I get to have you. I mean, you got to dye your hair yellow because apparently that's the only way that I find you attractive, which sucks. <laughs> but, like, I think that there's it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have just... Lived happily ever Well, if, he had, if she had come out earlier without him figuring it out um, and the, therefore getting super mad, but once again, I'm almost like... Why are you that mad? Like, the person that you love is still alive. Why mm. are you not, like, happy about that? I don't, but he's, like, totally broken is why. Um, and, yeah, I think they hug. It's hard to tell. And then a nun comes up the stairs to, because inve- to, they've been yelling, mm-hmm. to investigate this noise. And it frightens her. Because she's like maybe thinking that it's the ghost of the woman that right. died here. Because we, she's tried, she played haunted. It's not out of the realm of possibility. She believes in that, right? Although, if she did believe in it, I feel like playing that is dangerous. Like that's asking for some things, maybe. Um, and she gets so frightened that she, I guess, jumps backward or whatever. Or she stumbles backwards she, and yeah. she falls. And to she her falls death. and she falls to her death. And <laughs> the the nun has. There are bizarre reactions to a lot of things in this mm. movie. This nun has the weirdest reaction. Yeah. She's just, what does she say? She says, Oops, I did it again. I think she says, like, Oh, bless the child, or yeah. something like that, in like a monotone, and then just starts ringing the bell. And I'm just like, Not shocked at how many people have you seen fall out of this bell tower? Like, is it just like a weekly occurrence? You acted like you literally see this once a quarter and you're mm-hmm. just like, yep, ladies fall from here all the time. Blonde ones who look like that constantly falling out of this thing. It was super weird. And then uh, we see Scotty looking down at her and we presume that he is upset about her death, but he doesn't have vertigo anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so... He has come back to himself, and he's not going to be prosecuted for her death because that nun watched her just fall out of the window. So now I guess, the, or out of the, the, it's like a window. It's like a, it's it's not a window because it's mm. to the floor, the, but it's like a what doesn't like an archway, like an open archway. Right. The, the, the odd part about that to me is if there's no safety railing, even after the first person died, you'd right? think there, there would be you something. Would think. But instead, no, it's. It's, it reminds me of Black Narcissus as well, where they're just 
We're going to put the bell on the end the of the most cliff, dangerous place ever. And you ring it, standing here with hundreds of feet beneath you yep. of nothing. Um, if it's windy, oh, right. fuck well, I guess. Well, that's why they can fly sometimes. And then that's None. that's the end of the movie. So, so now, what is your take on it? I do agree that it is thrilling. Mm-hmm. Um, coming at it from the 2003 perspective 2003 2023 excuse me coming from coming at it from a 2023 perspective i knew that there was going to be a twist i was like this between haunted something else is going on Mm -hmm. i didn't know exactly what like i said when we saw her i was just like "Mm." like i said kim novak does change quite a bit when she goes from madeline to judy like he looks at her profile which is and that why like, he thinks that they're similar, even though they don't, you know, right. they don't look a lot um, alike. Which, you know, he sees as identical. And I don't remember seeing her in profile previously. We, he must he, have he done does. it. I'm There's sure he where, does. There's, Hitchcock right. wouldn't show it right. if it wasn't hearkening back to something. Yes. Like, if it wasn't supposed to ping us. Also, I think audiences at that time would have been more familiar with Kim Novak's face. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in a lot. Okay. I saw Bell Book and Candle when I was a kid. And I'm sure I've seen some other things, but I this is going to sound sort of dismissive and and bad. But because it's I don't watch many movies from the 50s and 60s. A lot of the women look very similar to me, um, so I couldn't automatically pick her out of a lineup if you changed her hair and her makeup. Uh, that's just mm. like she's she the makeup job in this is quite good. She really does look different, especially to me, who's not a Kim Novak fan necessarily. Um, and and also, just I'm so used to seeing that woman as a blonde that I was just like, mm, what's happening? Uh, it was, I was glad that they didn't put glasses on her. That was, <laughs> that I was grateful for. But I, so there was that. I was like, this, I know that there's going to mm-hmm. be a twist, um, especially when, her death happened what halfway into the movie, right. maybe. I was just like, okay, well, that clearly isn't done. Like, Kim Novak's above the title. She's not gone. Although he does that, of course, in Psycho with Janet Lee. So maybe I, you know, I, I could have been wrong for sure. Uh, but that, com- so where I was like, mm, I already know some things that are going to happen because it's been copied a number of times and things that I've seen. Combined with the fact that I, I love Jimmy Stewart so deeply, and he is so terrible in this movie. Like mm. he is, he is terrible in a way that is realer to me than if he was just physically like throwing her around. And, um, you know, hitting her and being, you know, the, the, the epitome of domestic violence. Right. Because the way that he treats her is, I think, way more common than, you know, just slapping someone around, which is too common anyways. But I think we have this idea of this is what abuse is and way more people are treated the way that she is treated than we see because we only see what couples put out, not what's happening, you know, behind closed doors. 
And so that just felt yuck to me. And he just, he's like, there, there, like I said at the beginning, there are no heroes in this mm. movie. Um, I think the closest we come are the women. Midge. Uh, yeah, Midge. But like, once again, right. I can't believe we didn't see her for the whole second half of the movie, especially when we literally just see her say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm always going to be right. here. So and then she just... For the sake <laughs> of, of um, the audience, too, uh, I should mention that yeah. there was a real question. Well, this film is really strange. It is. And it's all about somebody's sexual obsession. And yes. Hitchcock put this in no uncertain terms. Is that he... That... Uh, Scotty can't actually sexually consummate this relationship with right. Judy, but he can with Madeline. Madeline has basically become a fetish for him right, in, exactly. a, in a way where he, yeah, he can't... This is the only way that he's and going so to be able to... so that sort of scene where she approaches him finally with her hair done right and yeah. in Madeline's suit when yeah. uh, Judy approaches him that way. Um, and there's a, a moment... And this that seems really remarkable. The camera's doing this 360-degree turnaround them. Yeah. Um, the background is fading and coming back in as both yeah. the mission and as as uh, the the room, this very this hotel room that Judy lives in. Yeah. And it's like a long-term hotel, like a boarding house almost. Bernard Herrmann's score is actually recalling, I'm going to mispronounce this really badly, the Liebestad, yeah. which is the love theme from Tristan and his old age. Right, right. And so, which is another doomed romance but the camera movement and all it creates a sort of sen- uh, sensation of being sort of sucked in. Yeah. And you're seeing this guy just sort of dragged down into hell, and he's dragging yeah. Judy with, with him. him. Um, so, yeah. There is a scene in this, too, and I can't remember exactly uh, where it is. It might be right after she falls, where it's like cartoon, like it goes... There's an animated scene, right? Like an animated... A dream that he has. Oh, that's, it's a dream, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I thought that was super interesting, because I was like... Well, and that this to... feels like a Kubrick thing, not a Hitchcock right. thing. I've never seen any, and I haven't seen all of his work. Well, obviously. Hitchcock did very famously a film with Gregory Peck, Spellbound, where oh, okay. he has another dream scene there that was designed by Salvador Dali. Oh wow! I want to watch right. that. He he brings in Saul Bass was uh, brought in to do the titles for Psycho and Vertigo also, and yeah, and the, the, the titles were really good. Right. Um, really evocative of what was but happening. That right? dream, to, to go back to what I was saying before, uh, okay, so the criticism from the producers and from test audiences was, A, what happens to Midge, right? Yeah. And B, does Gavin, the husband, get away with murder? And so another scene exists, which right. I saw today. You sent, you sent it to me, but I didn't get a chance to watch which it. Which is a very brief scene of Midge sitting in her... I guess her dining room. She has a sort of an open yeah. floor plan apartment. She, her place, and especially because she's sitting at a drafting table, mm-hmm. I was like, is she Carolyn in the city? She looks like Carolyn in the city. Do you remember that show? No. <laughs> you don't? No, oh. I don't. But, but, so what happens <laughs> is that she hears over the radio that Gavin's going to be extradited from France, where he was finally caught. Oh, caught. he bounced. Okay. And uh, because he does say to uh, Scotty that he's going to go away to Europe. Yeah, he does. At the inquest. So now he's been caught, and then Jimmy Stewart walks in, wanders into her living room, again, sort of catatonic. She pours him a drink, he drinks it, and she sits there with him, and that's the end of the film. Interesting. Which I think would have made a better ending. I think maybe that's right. I think what 
Hitchcock did, though, is that but that he, brings it all the way back right, to the literally back to the right beginning. to the beginning. And I think that would have been a better ending than what wound up in the film, which was he's looking over the edge. Yeah. But which creates the uncomfortable, and I don't know why this is better, um, creates the sensation that he might jump. Yeah. Because earlier during that dream scene, you see him yeah. in this really odd position, the silhouette of his body. Yeah. And his arms at these really odd angles. He looks like he's a marionette. Yeah, marionette, or home. just, um, or like a the lines around the body that right. they draw at a crime scene. Yeah. Really it's a very angles. weird angle, yeah. And the final shot of the film is him looking over the edge at Madeline and having that same broken posture. Right. With his shoulders sort of askew and his yeah. wrists sort of at odd angles. And the idea being that he might actually jump right. sometime after the, you know, the credits have rolled. Right. And I don't know how that's any less of a downer or how that's... A, right. It's, but it's, it's more of a downer because right. you don't know what happened to the actual yeah. murderer, right? So it's... Um, yeah, I think the film was just so kinky yeah. that they, the studio wanted a different ending and then that began, that began Hitchcock sort of struggling back and forth with the studio and then it was just released with this ending where he looks over the edge and he's now really broken. I think yeah. that was the, the impression. Although you could also read that he does throw himself over the edge because in the dream image that he has, yeah. you see his silhouette falling, falling. towards the... Yeah, the, and that's the sort of cover. Right. Like the image on the poster. Mm-hmm. Uh, our roommate noticed she's like, looks like a spirograph, right. the titles at the beginning, yeah. which it very much was. Um and it's that sort of circle, that spiral circle, and then that image of him in that shape, yeah. in black, that silhouette right in the middle of it with cracks coming out. So it does look like he has fallen and right. broken, whatever's, uh, or that's blood, one of the two. Like, mm-hmm. there's some sort of um, indication that, yeah, he has landed badly. <laughs> um, it's, it's a, every time I see this film, I understand why it's rated so highly. And it's right now in contention with Sight and Sound's best films of all time. This and Citizen Kane are racing towards each other oh, okay. all the time. They're switching places at times. And I understand that for a lot of people that love Hitchcock, it's a very personal movie. Uh, okay. Fair uh, enough. Which is one thing. Uh, because uh, Hitchcock's films at this period include uh, actresses like um, Grace Kelly. Yeah. The Blondes. And the beautiful Tippi Hedren and Kim Novak in this case. And so this whole notion of transforming a woman into this sort of image that he then finds desirable, that's Hitchcock. And Kim Novak mentioned that. She also, oddly, she said that this film worked really well for her and she took it because she wanted to play Judy, not because she wanted to play Madeline. That makes sense. And because Madeline mm-hmm. is purposely... Vacant. She's playing right. haunted, right? She's playing possessed by sad Carlotta. So mm. she doesn't do a lot as like a like a fully formed woman. There's nothing to make me like her as much as Judy, who is just sort of like. But then again, that's a personal taste. Yeah. No. No, that makes sense. I like them sort of smart and snappy like that. But right, Carlotta and she is, can't. She is uh, that, but she can't be Carlotta that. Carlotta is the dead bride out of Edgar yeah. Allan Poe. Yeah. Um, or excuse me, Madeline is Madeline, yeah. Uh, Which is who is she's right. also playing Carlotta. She it's Judy playing Madeline so she's playing really Carlotta. Playing yes. Interestingly enough, Kim Novak was not the first choice. It was Vera Miles who's in Psycho? Vera Miles. Oh, the the right. woman who's 
should be above the title, but right. got thrown over for Janet Leigh. Yeah. Um, she, uh... <laughs> who we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> right. Vera Miles, who was one of Hitchcock's obsessions uh, for a while, and then she got married to... There, there's a story where um, Rod Taylor, who was in, uh, in The Birds, who we'll see later on. Okay. He's a guy from Australia, and you'll excuse me for using these terms, but this is the best way of expressing it. He was a guy's guy. Oh, yeah. He'd been a boxer in Australia. He was a really yeah. physical guy. There is a commonality with him, with Sean Connery in Marnie. Hitchcock did not like working with these kind of, you know, athletic... No, because he was not... Right. Very... If he wants to... I, I hate the term alpha male because it doesn't exist. No, it doesn't exist. That's why I was trying to find... It doesn't exist, days. but... Mm-hmm. Colloquially, we understand what that right. means. He wants to be top dog on the set right. and does not feel that he can compare and do that when we have these right. s- these athletic specimens that are right. You know, and it's again genuine tough guys like yes. Connery. And with, uh, the other thing is that when Vera Miles got married, she married Gordon Scott. Oh no, who is <laughs> literally the guy he who was, was Tarzan, Tarzan right? and Hercules. Oh yeah. No, he he's built like he like yes. uh, like an uh, like an atlas. Like, right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a guy who like taught judo to the MPs in the army, and he was a, he was just like the physical specimen. Yeah. He was a bronco buster. So <laughs> the idea that that she was involved with him immediately turned Hitchcock away from her. Right, which is deeply gross as which well. Is gross as well. I mean, maybe that's yes. another thing. Is I find Hitchcock deeply objectionable, mm-hmm. and I'm just like. You've made Jimmy Stewart deeply objectionable, and I'm I'm pissed right. at you for that. The, so I was saying that mm. there was sort of the the dual. Hey, I think I know what's going on, right. or I know vaguely what's going on, and you've made somebody that I want to watch mm-hmm. into somebody I do not want to watch. And it was it's sort of similar to, and I'm going to spoil a movie that's more recent, The Others, right. which. As soon as it started, and I know you said that this was actually spoiled in a right. movie review, which is fucking wild. As soon as it started, like two minutes in, I was like, well, they're the ghosts, yeah. which is the twist of the movie. And that combined with the fact that I don't particularly enjoy watching Nicole Kidman as an actress made me really not enjoy the watch of that movie. Mm. Because I was like, I already know. There's another movie called, oh, I forget what it's called. Something about mama or mother. Um, and it's about a woman who's had, I think, damage to her face. So she, her face is all wrapped up yeah. and she's got twins. Yes. Um, and about five minutes into the movie, it's a French film. And it was, I believe, remade in 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 English or in as, as an American film. I saw film. an English language film. I haven't seen it. Um, but so we started watching that about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Um, I don't want to watch this. I think I have figured it all right. out. I'm going to go. Like, I was going to, I like, I had a book or something that I wanted to read, and I, I was like, you go ahead and watch it, because I just don't, I, I'm going to bounce. Yeah. And I came back out, and I was like, spoiler alert again, uh, there were twins, right? One of them was dead. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. Right. And, so <laughs> and that's a fairly common thing that we see in right. movies, right? And I, I saw that film again with our roommate, because mm-hmm. she likes creepy kid movies. Right. And then, by some miracle, was able to find Tom Tryon's film uh, adaptation of his uh, book, The Other. Oh, yeah. 
which was the first time that oh, somebody that the did first that. Time? Like, is there's a movie called Uninvited? There's a thousand movies mm-hmm. called Uninvited, by the way. Some of them like, are good, some of them are some bad. Some of them are good or some of them are bad. I like the one about the, the um, agoraphobic woman. Mm-hmm. That's a weird movie, right. and I like that one. But this one is uh, has I think uh, is it Elizabeth Banks or is it Jessica Chastain? Um, it's Elizabeth Banks and um, Emily Browning, I think. Oh, I think that's right. Um, and it has a very similar right. one of these. And Fight Club is a similar thing right, where exactly. you think that there are two people here and, and there is one people that's here. A plot that I I just I I really get upset when that happens because it's. You're setting me up for what was the, the the film that John Cusack did that was really good up until that happens. Oh, Identity. Um, it was okay. I had this really. I like the way Identity worked better than when it's right. just one and one because Identity is a whole bunch right. inside of a dude whose face I really like to look at. Like he's got a really interesting it's, thing. It's one of those things, right? Yeah, I'm, it's, like, it's okay. like it was all a dream. You're just like, well, that's fucking cheating. Like right, exactly. And we've done this. But uh, see what I appreciate about this film is that it's trying to say so much more than what it does say and it's really Hitchcock exposing himself really he's admitting that this is what he does and it's, you know what's funny is right. there is in the Wikipedia page have you scrolled down to the bottom mm-hmm. there is a section called derivative works yes. and that might be part of my problem right like yes there's a lot of uh, um, Mulholland Drive that movie um, <laughs> Brian De Palma, who made it his early career to do imitations yes. of this film, did a movie called Obsession with an even nastier version of the, this twist at the end that has the exact same plot. And Body Double has this right. and Rear Window kind of mushed Completed, together. Yeah, which, and that film is almost unwatchable for me. It's good God, what, what, how did you get the money to make this essentially R-rated porn film? But that's yeah, a interesting. Issue. Okay. Yeah, so I just had trouble watching. Mm-hmm. I was just like I I just I can appreciate, especially given the time that it was made. I mm-hmm. think it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. I think it is stunning to look at. So I'm glad that I watched it, uh-huh. but the enjoyment like I hadn't I did not enjoy the watch of this movie. Wow, okay. I was starting very early mm-hmm. in the movie. Jimmy Stewart was sending off so many red flags to me that my stomach hurt. Like, my stomach hurt for... This movie's two hours and six minutes long. I'm mm-hmm. going to say an hour 45. I just felt so, mildly ill. And, um, which is not, not a great way to watch a movie. to his performance. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I think he is phenomenal in this. I'm pissed at Hitchcock for making me watch <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. He's always good. Well, that's... Jimmy Stewart is and in real life he was a war hero which is even funnier right. but he, he I, portrays this I kind really of, I don't want to know right. if he was like a terrible person no, or a rapist he was or as something nice. like a, I don't that, I don't back, think I can handle it Kim was the Jennifer Lawrence of her time and there's a couple of people you can oh where she's just a big goof <laughs> she's a big goofball she she uh, had a, another roommate they were raised Catholic they go off and they, they say uh they read the rosary together in uh, in the studio uh, lot. Apparently, she does. She loves doing comedy because she's goofy. Yeah, um, that's why I, th- I I enjoyed her. I love the movie Bell Book and Candle. She did a picnic, which is a film that maybe you should see at some point, where uh, the director didn't want to cast her either when she played the part as a local beauty queen who winds up kind of making a, a decision that 
it's still left up to your imagination whether it was right or wrong. Um, he said later, the director said, I'm really glad I chose her because she wore being the prettiest girl in town like a crown of thorns. That's the thing. Like, I do think that that, I think that that's where mm-hmm. I buy someone like Kim Novak having problems, right? right. A- and clearly she had it in real life, right? Yeah. We don't want you to, we want you to be the beauty queen and the star and the diamond and you can't yeah. have anything wrong with you and whatever. And the, I can, especially as an actress, I can understand uh-huh. the frustration with that, right? Oh, yeah. And being like, um, first of all, I want like needy acting roles. Right, exactly. And That's also, her, her deal too. the people who should be doing these parts aren't getting these parts mm-hmm. because I'm the one who's being put in these parts and I don't even want them. So right. there's got to be a little bit, not survivor's guilt, but something like well, that. She, the way she described it, she doesn't look back on those times with any kind of anger. She's now living somewhere. As a matter of fact, from what I re- recall, it wasn't too far away from here, at least the time of the interview I saw. Um, she and her husband of many, many, many years awesome. raised horses. Oh, beautiful. And she looks back at her Hollywood career and says, yeah, I loved working with Jimmy Stewart. She had absolutely no problems with the Hitchcock, which is weird, because generally women did have a lot of strange... Poor Tippi Hedren really right. had these sort of issues with Hitchcock. Oh, her husband passed away in 2020. Okay, so this must have been an older interview. It's a yeah. Day. But she, um, she... What she talked about was doing this film was a, her able to express, or being able to express what it was like coming from uh, being like the local beauty queen to coming to Hollywood, doing modeling on the side and doing sort of like being in show business at the lowest possible level, winding up uh, going to an open casting call and getting cast in the background, and then she just kept getting more parts. But she said that they kept trying to remake her, which goes to what you said about why you can't tell these actresses apart because they style them all the same. They did. That is true. It, I'm right. not supposed to be able to tell them apart. They're just supposed to be paragons of beauty, mm-hmm. and this is what beauty is. So we've made them all Barbie. They right. they just stamp out these Barbies, which I'm sure is because so, a lot of these actresses are fantastic actresses, mm-hmm. and they're being hired to be set pieces right. or, you know, the impetus for the man to do whatever the man right, is going to do. Right, the motivation for the man to make a decision. Which uh, is just right now starting to change, yeah. but like. But her thing was, she said that this film really meant something to her because she want, took it for the Judy part, and that she really felt like this was her. She has a line where she's like, Will you love me if I change for yeah. you? And this is what she felt. Yeah. She said, All during right. this. She was able to express that. Hitchcock understood that. Yeah. He didn't really interrupt. Barbara Belgetti says the same thing. I didn't have a problem with Hitchcock. He was a very odd director because he would say, when he said this line, look up to the left, then look back at what you're doing. That's the amount of direction she got. Oh, he really, really is. Yeah. Okay. And And that doesn't surprise me, frankly, which is why... which is why I'm not mad at Jimmy Stewart. I'm mad at Well, his thing was, he said, um, with Barbara Belgetti, who'd done a lot of theater at this point, I hired you to be this, and I know you can do this, and I've hired Kim Novak to do this part because I know she can do it. And Jimmy Stewart, that's why he kept working with him, because I know that I can depend on you to be an everyman, but what I wanted to get, he thought, Hitchcock did, from an everyman is just to go, yes, but deep inside of even normal people, good people, there's this horrible thing. And 
That's what he... And, and the fact that he But once that, again, you made this dude a cop, so I automatically don't really think he's a good person. That is, well, that's again, also is, a 2023 right, issue. Exactly. I know. That's the thing. I'm bringing a lot of baggage to this mm-hmm. film, which is not necessarily fair to this film. Yeah. I'm just telling you how I felt about it. I am noticing here, I'm reading about um, the lovely Kim Novak, and um, she uh, retired in about 1992 mm-hmm. um, and very, very rarely made any kind of appearances. But in 1996, they restored this movie and were re-releasing it in theaters. And she enjoyed her work on this so much that she agreed to do the screenings or like go up here at screenings of the films, which she refused to do when they re-released it in 1984 alongside the VCR, like Mm -hmm. the video revolution, right? She was like, nah, (laughs) but then she would do it in here. And then she, um, she, she paints apparently. Yeah. And so she did a a painting about vertigo and that was um, sort of unveiled later. So yeah, she clearly, I think maybe was grateful for getting something to do in this Mm. movie. And she's really good. Right. Like, even as she's playing, and because maybe we don't know Madeline, Mm -hmm. we only see the Madeline that is presented to Scotty. She's believable in whatever is happening to her. Um, Even if I'm like, I don't think this is happening to her, but... I could see why someone would think that yeah. it's happening to her. And, like I said, I've got 40, 50, 60 years of movies since then. It's literally been 60 years since this wow. movie came out. So I've got 60 years of, hey, what about this? And, hey, this is a yeah. tip-off. And, hey, you know, so that's that's another thing. But, yeah, I mm, my stomach hurt while I was you watching know, it. And, and that's kind of... <laughs> Which, Good job, Hitchcock, because right. that's what you wanted. But I don't want that when I'm watching yeah. it. Like, it's, it's a film that... <laughs> As I said, it's raised. It's been raised in critics' esteem since then. At the time, no one knew what the hell to make out of this. Yeah, I believe no that. No one wanted to see Jimmy Stewart do this kind of guy. Same. Um, <laughs> and it was just. I like, just. I want to watch Harvey now. Right. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, or maybe um, what's the Mister Who's that goes to Washington? He's right. in that, right? I haven't yes. seen it. Mister Who's that goes to Washington. <laughs> I forget what his name is. Because I wanted to call him um, Peanut. Mr. Peanut goes to Washington, and I'm 100% sure that's not right. So uh, I'm surprised that something that's not on this list that we might do afterwards is Flight of the Phoenix, which is a thriller to me. Yeah, I've um, never, I don't know that. Which is about a plane crash in the Sahara, and Jimmy Stewart's in that film. He's in The Big Sleep, another movie that I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff that I need to watch, because um, mm-hmm. I like him very much. He makes me feel comfortable... But not in this movie. <laughs> so I guess good job. Like I said, good right. job. And it definitely is thrilling. And I see why it is above the other Hitchcocks. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this movie is basically a list of their Hitchcock movies with other shit mm-hmm. filled in. Like he's on here way more than anybody else. And I can see why it is above where it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, like closer to one than the right. other Hitchcock films that we've seen. Um, but. I also see why the ones that are coming up are quote yeah. unquote more uh, thrilling. I, mm, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about it. But like, I can see, and I've, I think I've seen all the rest of the ones that we're mm-hmm. going to watch um, previously. It's been a long time. I don't, I haven't watched, I think any of them in like a decade. So, 
Um, it'll be good to see them, and but and and to, to sort of evaluate the order that these were placed in in the um, in the list. It's harder to do that with the whole list because there's apples to oranges in yeah. a lot of cases. Like, and some of them we've talked about. Like, what do they mean by thrilling when they're talking right. about this movie? Um, so that's really hard to compare and go, yeah, this one should have been higher yeah, on this. I, 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 but for Hitchcock, uh, we can look at the list as that they that they put together and go, yeah, yeah, I that makes sense. This film is a, is well, we'll talk about that more in the future. But I think it really is a masterpiece. It's not a comfortable masterpiece. No, and I it's I not, think it's beautiful. Right. And watching it sixty years later, I can't call it a masterpiece mm-hmm. because it feels derivative. Obviously, it is not. Right. Um. But that combined with just my utter discomfort at this. Right, and I think this. I also like to have some sort of protagonist. That's where it works, though, <laughs> is the fact that after 60 years, yeah. it still is the issue, sadly, is just. That's the thing. I'm like, I know this dude. It's, it's, or I know dudes that exactly. could be this dude. And at the time, it was, oh, Jimmy Stewart's like, uh, you know, why is he yeah. playing this part, whatever. But now. In it our feels day very age. much like the nice guys, right? right exactly. Like it feels and like that. That was kind of the point. Sure, and that is pretty and genius in 1963. Before 19, yeah, was it 63? I think so. 1958. Oh, I'm sorry, 1958. So it's been 65 last movie years. Right. It's been 65 years yeah. since this movie. Um, so yeah, even better. But like. Yeah, it's, it's. I can call it thrilling, mm-hmm. but I can say I did not like it. There, that's there you go. The best and thing. that is, um, and I can see objectively, good movie. Uh, Subjectively, no, thank you. What, <laughs> and I'm okay happen, with separating it's, that. It's not a movie for everyone, mm-hmm. and it might not be a movie for you. It should be a movie for me or men. It, men, men yeah, should I think men should see it. Absolutely. Go, this is the nicest guy that ever lived, but there's something desperately wrong with that's him totally because he's him. had this picture of what he's supposed to want. And this is every incel asshole that ever lived. Yeah. Everyone who's on uh, online talking about what men want from women, yeah. how women have to behave in order People to be married. People literally on TikTok yes. right now, there is a dude on TikTok right now who has basically, like, not basically, right. on Front Street said, and I'm sorry, this is triggering, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who rejects me deserves to be raped. That's like straight up what he said. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character is not just that me, extreme. me or any other right. nice guy. And I'm yeah. like, how are you a nice guy if you think any woman right. deserves to be raped for any reason? And we don't know about right. his previous character. Right. Like, this character, we only see him interact with Midge, right. who is a woman who has been friends with him for 20 plus years. Right. right? So presumably he's not a monster towards all women, no. or she would be like, but no, think you get out of my house. The, the point that. It takes a just the wrong push, and that's yeah. inside of you. So yeah, he's not a rapist, but there's something wrong with him that gets twisted up, and that's what the vertigo is about. So yeah, yeah. I, it's a really interesting. And then yeah, you wonder, film. well, did he have like, does he have a traumatic brain injury? Mm-hmm. Like, he is it more right. than just the fear of the situation that happened? Because we don't know. How exactly how he got down mm-hmm. or what happened. He may just be dealing with like a physical trauma right. that has caused this. Well, we don't know. Yeah, That's Vertigo, guys. You've probably seen it and probably either like it or don't like it. So 
don't let me color your judgment by all means. But yeah, objectively, very good movie. Subjectively, not for me. Um, this is why I, I am very careful about saying to you, like, what's the best of something mm -hmm. versus what is your favorite? Right. Those are not the same things, and that applies here as well. So, that's Vertigo. Next week, I'm pretty sure it's one of your favorite movies on this list well, because you have brought it up, like, into, every month since right. we started. We are going into an area now where there's just so many yeah. of the movies the top that 20 I just are love. Straight up bangers, right. like all the way down, except mm -hmm. The Exorcist, which your, is your well, it's, still, it's, it's a great a, film. Yeah, it but is. It's, again, there we go. That's yep. objectively, <laughs> objectively really good. Effective. Not, not for you. No. <laughs> yeah. um, and not for a lot of people who were churched. And right. for me, an unchurched person, I'm like, yeah, Supernatural is great for me mm -hmm. because I don't necessarily believe in that. Human problem or human danger is uh, all too real, and I'm seeing it on the news, uh, the news every right. night. So that is that. So we're going to watch the Manchurian Candidate, 1962. Mm. I'm right about the year this time. Uh, the original version, not right. the Denzel version. Although we, um, spoiler alert, already watched it, and um, we watched it off of TCM because mm -hmm. you you were able to record a bunch of these movies off yeah. TCM, which is awesome, and. Ben Mankiewicz, uh, after the film, says, mm -hmm. you know, there, or maybe before, but I think it was, it was after. after. It was after. Um, he talks about the 2004 remake starring Denzel Washington, mm -hmm. and he says, he's the verbatim, I think he says, starring Denzel Washington um, in the... Frank Sinatra's role. In Frank Sinatra's role. Right. Oh, is it? He's yeah. not? Okay. Um, oh, that's right. It's Leah Schreiber in the right. other role. And he's like, Frank, but he says Denzel Washington. Washington makes it worth watching right. just like that. And he says it's a masterpiece in its own right, which is tricky on a remake. But are they, I, I presume that they update it to right yes, they political, um, like what's happening politically in two thousand and four, which makes it way like because that movie is Prussian as hell, like the original, mm -hmm. like a little too Prussian, <laughs> and then. Um, to move it up into 2004 is far enough away to be able to make it fresh. Mm -hmm. And you put Leif Schreiber and Denzel in it, and like, right. yeah. And Meryl Streep. And Meryl Streep, that's right. So the um, that's a good pedigree mm -hmm. all the way down, right? right. Uh, so, but we're watching the original one. I might want to watch the remake maybe after we talk yeah. about it so that I don't get them conflated. Yeah. So that's up next week. Do you have anything to recommend? I, I don't. I, I haven't had much time to do things, but y you do, right? I do. Um, well, but it's not a movie, because once again, we're watching right. well, these back-to-back, anything, back, and right? that's all we're watching. So what I do want to recommend is I started it today. I haven't listened to the whole series. Hey, do you guys remember the podcast serial that uh, made everybody understand that there were podcasts and what a podcast mm. was, even though I've been listening to podcasts for like seven years? Anyways, Serial Productions just released... Um, I think earlier this month or at the end of last month, a, I think it's a six part series called The Retrievals. Um, and it's, if you listen to podcasts, any kind of true crime podcasts, and you may have seen it on television, there's things like Dr. Death, um, that are put out by a, a company called Wondery. And they're like, uh, usually six to 10 episodes of some sort of like a story. Crime. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a story arc, but it's almost always like like a con man, Dear John, which is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also The Shrink Next Door, which they also made into a TV show. Um, I, I bet they make Dr. Death into a TV show. There's all these these things of like, usually they revolve around one bad actor and all of the damage that they do. I know that I said that I don't like watching movies where people are terrible to other people, but I can listen to a podcast about that. And I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts because too often they glorify the killer and victim blame and they um, don't take into account that people who loved the pe- the victims are maybe going to hear this and it sucks. Right. So I stopped listening to most true crime podcasts of that vein where it's murders um, or family killings, which is also murder, any of that stuff, rapists, things like that. Um, but I do find it interesting when, or like I, I will listen to things where it's like a cult leader and they're talking to the people that mm. were affected by that. Right. The um, In this case, they're talking to patients uh, of a facility. I don't want to say much more than that. And and the, their um. sort of aftermath, I find that very interesting. Um, and it it kind of scratches that itch of like a danger that could be mine. Let me see what the red flags are so that yeah. I don't fall into that. Um, so Serial did this. And they're also really good podcast producers. They know how to tell a story effectively in audio medium. It's called, as I said, The Retrievals. And it is very good. And I okay, recommend good. it. Good. Uh, next week, Venturing Candidate. OG. It's got Frank Sinatra in it. And you guys, he's like a really good actor. <laughs> I'd only ever seen him act in... Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's 11 and I can't recommend it. Uh, so uh, I was surprised by how good he was. Also, here's another thing about the movie that I'm going to warn you. There's a lot of upper lip sweat in this movie. Like, yeah. to the point where I noticed it and, and remarked on it. Like, but, yeah. So that's a thing. Yeah, if you've <laughs> but, never really seen, I mean, we did, uh, early on we did um, Ronan. Yes, but if you've never seen a John Frankenheimer working when he had when he was working in his prime, he did just wildly strange, visually inventive movies. Yes, he's re- like the direction in this is really really good and really interesting. So I recommend you watch it and then listen to us talk about it next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can write us at latecomerspod at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. You could write us on Facebook at latecomerspod. Cast, look for it in the search bar and then save that and then also subscribe so that when I forget to post the new episode on Thursday on Facebook, mm-hmm. you already have it. You don't have to worry there about it. Uh, yep. And when you write, it's actually right. Using email, do not write an actual letter and put it in like you don't, the knot of a we're tree. We're not going to something. tell us. We're not going to tell you our address. If you know us, you know our address. If you don't, and you could write us a letter. Right. If you don't know us, shh, our address is a secret. Although I wonder if you could listen to the sh- that yes, happens outside. Probably, it sounds like they're next to a freeway. Uh, yes. I, uh, I wish we could have a studio, but yes. that is not to be. So that brings us to the end. I want to remind you to please take your medicine. And we want to remind you, better better late than than never. never.